When you go to the grocery store, why do you buy what you buy? Are you mostly concerned with price, with the product's taste or appearance, or are you more interested in its impact on your body and the environment? And has the importance you place on those relative attributes shifted over the past 10 months due to the COVID-19 pandemic? Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we talk with a University of Illinois economist who recently published results of the survey into consumer food values, some of her ongoing research to learn what has or hasn't changed in the factors that drive food purchasing decisions for most U.S. consumers. This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus is sponsored by Arm & Hammer Animal and Food Production and their science-hearted podcast, Food Chain Chats. Check it out to hear insights on how the food supply chain is taking their experiences from 2020 disruptions into 2021. Subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Dr. Brenna Ellison has been studying consumer behavior in the food retail space her entire career. There are many factors that influence our food purchasing decisions, taste, price, appearance, environmental impact, and so on. Researchers and marketers alike are interested in the weight we place on those different factors, also referred to as food values. And while research has shown that food values are relatively stable over time, the COVID-19 pandemic has upended all that is normal. Ellison and her colleague, Melissa Osipek, released the results of their latest consumer food values survey, showing that the underlying food values driving those purchases have remained largely stable despite the shifting economic realities of the past year. Dr. Ellison, I was, I was really interested to read some of your latest work on consumer food values. Uh, in this context of COVID-19, you know, made things really interesting last year to talk about what consumers were buying and what they were concerned about and where they were willing to spend their disposable income and non-disposable income, I guess, when it comes to, to food. What are we finding now 10 months into this pandemic? What are you and your colleagues looking at in terms of how consumers' food values have changed or, or not changed as a result of or in the context of this pandemic? Right. Great question. So I, I think some of the things that we're seeing is there, there is some consistency in the things that people find important. So um, taste is something that that's not going away as a driver of purchases. Um, however, we are seeing, so in our survey, we looked at consumers in September of 2020, as well as December of 2020. And when we switched to December 2020, we did see an uptick in the, the importance of price in purchasing decisions. And so um, perhaps that's not terribly surprising given the prolonged um, periods of unemployment for larger shares of the population, combined with you know just the natural financial stress of the holiday season. Um, so we do see an increase in the importance of price over time. But you know the top four values really are consistent, not only in our study, but across multiple studies that have been done kind of in the last uh, 10, 20 years. So um, things like taste, safety, price, and nutrition, those really are the, the top four. When you ask consumers about the different things that are driving their purchases, those are pretty consistent top. You know, we also found there's there's a little bit less importance in December relative to September on the appearance of food. Again, once you've increased the price of the, the importance of price, that might naturally decrease the importance of other things like the appearance of food. So um, those are pretty intuitive results to us. When I've been following some of these trends, uh, you know, 10 years or longer, but when I first started uh, writing for Feedstuffs, 
I remember there was a, a big discussion. Um, uh, Jeff Simmons at Alanco really pushed a meta-analysis, I should say, of a bunch of different consumer food value studies and and the thing they were pushing at the time. Uh, and so again, here we are 10 years ago, it was, it was taste, nutrition, and price were the three factors that the data seemed to suggest. So here we are 10 years later, and you're telling me that even in the context of a global pandemic, the fundamentals really haven't changed that much as to why we buy what we buy at the grocery store. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I, I think it still stays pretty consistent. You know, the things that we buy to fulfill those values might be different, right? So, you know, maybe our taste preferences, there's been a lot of articles out there suggesting that many consumers are shifting towards comfort foods or things that, you know, maybe they have nostalgia over from growing up. So, you know, Oreos, for instance, have really taken off during the pandemic more than normal. And so, you know, maybe the types of products that we buy that fill our, our need and our value of taste, maybe that has shifted some during the pandemic. But overall, the things that we find important when we're buying products seems fairly stable. And of course, you when you took a look at your latest survey, you went back and compared that to, to previous data as well. You had a number of data points over, oh, uh, I'd say a 10-year period. When you look at the top let's say five, 10 options that you, you put in front of the, the survey audience, the, the uh, sample there, what were some of the different categories that you put in front of them? We've, we've talked about the ones that merited to the top, but what were other things that we were asking them if they were interested in as a, as a value they placed on their food? Right. So some of the other things that we asked about were things like convenience, which is how easy it is to cook or consume the food. Um, we asked about, you know, the appearance of the food, uh, the environmental impact, so the effect of food production on the environment, um, naturalness, uh, so that's, you know, the extent to which it's produced without modern technology, so you can think no added dyes, no added flavors, etc. Um, the origin, so where the, the commodity was grown, and then fairness, so thinking about the extent to which all parties involved in the production of the food equally benefit. And I'm going to ask this in a fairly blunt way. Do do people care about those things? I mean, when you looked at the data, some of those, what I'll, what I'll call maybe a little warm and fuzzy type things like, you know, fairness or, or, you know, appearance, naturalness, some of them we can say, Oh, this is pretty objective. How does this piece of food look? Do I want a, a pretty apple or an apple that's bruised or whatnot? But then when you get into things like origin, fairness, environmental impact, some of these are a little more squishy than sort of, sort of the uh, objective intrinsic uh, aspects of the food itself. Do people care about those things? What are the what are the survey results tell us? Right. So I think that people still definitely care about those things, but in terms of their ranking of values and like if you think even about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like you have to meet the bottom needs before you can get to the top needs where you're like, you know, getting to self-actualization, self-esteem, those sorts of things. And so kind of what our data tells me is like taste, price, nutrition, and safety, like those are your your basic needs. Like we have to meet these needs before we get to these other things. And so, you know, we do see less very important ratings for attributes like naturalness, environmental impact, fairness, and origin, but there are still very much um, a segment of consumers who place value on that. And, and certainly there's heterogeneity across households, right? So households that might be in lower income brackets probably place more weight on things like price, whereas other households maybe can spend money and have food that maybe promotes different attributes. And so there, there certainly is heterogeneity in, in households, 
But yeah, I think if we, you know, again, kind of go back to psychology and the needs that people are trying to meet, we have to meet those like top four basic needs before we worry about maybe what would be considered like higher level needs. And what I find interesting about that is to me, some of those things like safety uh, emerged as, as what maybe the second most important value of at least in terms of what you learned from your samples in September and in December, 2020, I've always looked at safety. And I think probably a lot of us in the food and ag space, look at, at food safety as, as table stakes. In other words, it's sort of, we take it for granted almost in the U S that we have this safe, abundant, affordable food supply. Does the fact that safety ranks is number two, does that tell us that, that it is sort of table stakes and then maybe we're being competitive on things like naturalness, environmental impact, fairness, and origin that are maybe further up that hierarchy of needs. Right. It's a really interesting point. And honestly, like industry surveys, a lot of times have completely left safety out of it because I think it is expected to be a given when you go in the grocery store, you don't go in the grocery store and like compare products on which one you think is more likely or less likely to make you sick. Right. We don't do that. And so, um, you know, we included safety based on previous literature. I kind of think that is the bare minimum bar. And so if you put it in choice sets and people say, well, do I care if the food's going to, you know, keep me from, you know, not cause illness? Of course, that's important to me. But I don't think that's something like brands are competing on necessarily in the marketplace. So, yeah, I think it comes back to those other attributes that you're talking about. Um, And certainly, you know, brands compete on taste, they compete on price, but then they compete on these other credence attributes like environmental impact, fairness, those sorts of things. So I'm going to, I'm going to maybe logic this out if I'm a food marketer and you tell me if you think I'm going down the right, right track or not. So if I'm thinking through what your data is telling me, okay, taste is the most important thing for a consumer. If it tastes good, if I like to eat it, I'm going to buy it. All right. So we're going to set safety aside. That was the number two thing in, in that consumers told you were important. So I'm going to set that aside as table stakes. And then I'm going to come back and say, okay, if taste is equal between two products, price then is the next determining factor. If, if price was equal, then I'm going to say which one is more nutritious. And if that's equal, then I'm going to say, okay, it's which one's more convenient. Like, am I working through that hierarchy in sort of a logical, methodical pattern if I'm a, a food marketer as to how a consumer is going to react to my product? I think so, at least if you're trying to get like the biggest set of consumers, right? Certainly there are, you know, niche sets or segments of consumers that are looking for different things and, you know, might weight some of those factors that at least in our study are are lower down in importance, but certainly there are segments of consumers that place a really high importance on environmental impact or fairness and less so on things like convenience. So convenience is a really interesting one. I hypothesize that it would be more important during the pandemic. That might have been my own bias because I have a toddler in my house um, and convenience is really important to me right now <laughs> in terms of getting food ready. But um, so I think your logic is right, but it's still like that's food marketers trying to appeal, I think, to the, the biggest set of consumers. Right. But I think a lot of marketers also know there's a lot of value in reaching unique segments of consumers. And so I think that's why we still see a lot of attention on maybe those those values that that rank lower. But I there's still a lot of, you know, marketing effort put into them on the part of like retailers and producers. We'll come back to convenience in a minute, because I think, I think there's a discussion I want to have about whether or not we lie to survey takers as consumers, but your point about the, the niche audience, I think is, is a big one. 35% of respondents in your survey said that naturalness was very important to them. I, as a consumer who looks at 
taste, price, and convenience probably is my big three says, well, okay, that's great that it's all natural or whatever, but I look at that as a warm and fuzzy marketing term. And so maybe I, as an individual dismiss it where 35% of the people who responded to your survey said, Hey, this is really important to us. And then likewise, you know, 25 to 30% said origin, fairness, and environmental impact were important. So those consumers, it doesn't matter if I'm interpreting the data correctly, or if I'm putting myself in their boots, it doesn't matter how good it tastes or how cheap it is. If I think those aspects are very important and you fail to deliver on them, I'm, I'm not going to buy the product. Right. So certainly there are those segments. And I should say, you know, in this particular study, we didn't force people to make trade-offs. There are ways you can ask the questions where they literally have to rank them. Right. And so there's advantages and disadvantages to different ways. So you know, in this case, there could have been people that rated taste and fairness as both of them being very important, right? So that, that's possible. There are different ways to ask the questions. Um, you know, if we have them rank the things, the hard thing to know is like the difference between if taste is one and environmental impact is two, like how far apart is that difference, right? So there, there's pros and cons both ways. But I do just want to, you know, make it clear that someone could both like say fairness is very important as well as taste or nutrition. And, and of course it's the old saying, like, uh, if it, I, I like uh, the mechanic who has, uh, the sign up in his shop that, you know, you can have it, uh, fast, you can have it good, you can have it cheap, but you can only have two of the three, right? right. So, so if you want it, uh, good and fast, it's not going to be cheap. If you want it good and cheap, it's not going to be fast, you know, that sort of thing that, I mean, to some extent you you're making those kind of trade-offs all the time as a consumer, when you go to the grocery store, if you want something that's super nutritious and super tasty, it's probably not inexpensive, you know, those kind of trade-offs. I want to, I want to talk about something you mentioned a moment ago when we were, when we were talking about convenience. Uh, so I, I like you have a, a young child at home. Uh, my, uh, my beautiful baby girl uh, is almost eight years old. And so our family convenience is pretty important. We're running hither and yon, like a, a lot of folks. I've always hypothesized that taste, price, and convenience are kind of the big three for, let's say, maybe 95% of consumers. But I see that nutrition always bumps up in there into that, that top three or four consistently. My hypothesis has always been that we lie to survey takers and that it's really, you know, not until we match the survey data with cash register receipts that we really get a, a key picture. Am, am I out in left field there? Is like nutrition really that important to this many people? Or is it one of those things that we say because we want survey takers to think we're good people? Um, I, I think there's probably a little bit in truth in both sides, of course. Like, I think a lot of times people want the best of both worlds. We want convenient and nutritious, right? A lot of times that that's kind of how it shakes out. I do think there are, again, like interesting segments, you know, products that really emphasize protein content have exploded on the market over the last five to 10 years, especially like catering to male consumers. So, you know, there are increases in nutrition in, in certain ways. But I also think like convenience and appearance, for instance, you know, not as many people called them very important, but I would argue if you watch people make choices in the grocery store, I think appearance is probably more important to people than they might want to let on, <laughs> at least like in certain food categories, like produce or meat, those sorts of things. You know, not all, maybe we don't all want to admit that, but at the end of the day, most of us don't want to buy a, a bunch of bruised bananas. 
Well, I, I mean, I always use the, the, I call it the McDonald's example. Like there's a reason the McDonald's is the most successful, uh, you know, food chain in the history of man. It's because it, it tastes, you know, it tastes good. It's relatively inexpensive and you can get it everywhere. It's highly convenient. So, or, you know, you could use the, the Starbucks example. We could set price aside, but we could say, okay, Starbucks does well because it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And it, and it tastes really good. So we, you know, those, those values, I think come into play for food brands. And I love seeing the data, like your, your survey, I think it's fantastic and seeing what the data tells us particularly and let's bring this back home to COVID-19 when you went into the survey did you think or did you assume or hypothesize that these values would have shifted because of the constraints the pandemic was was putting on us as consumers and and how did the data affirm or buck some of those hypotheses going in my expectation was that taste would be pretty consistent just because there's just a mass of previous data over, you know, a couple decades now that nothing seems to budge taste, right? Honestly, I did expect to see a, a heightened importance of price. And, and we did see that shift in December, but I honestly expected it to be a little bit higher than it was. And like I said, my hypothesis was that convenience would be much higher than it was also. Those were the three that I thought would jump. Convenience, especially just because I think there are so many people out there, if they're homeschooling kids right now or having to do remote learning, those sorts of things. Maybe again, this is my bias as someone with a child in the house, but I really expected convenience to, to move up the scale a bit. The, the more, as I think you call them, the warm and fuzzy attributes, those were less surprising to me only because again, we kind of know these are, these are segments and pockets of consumers, but I wouldn't call them necessarily the mainstream. So, you know, those things didn't surprise me as much, but I did expect to see bigger jumps in price and convenience than what we did. Dr. Ellison, I really appreciate your insights and that you continue to put this uh, data out there for us to consume and kind of get a, a finger on the pulse, if you will, of what consumers are thinking. And I uh, would encourage folks if they haven't read uh, the article, I'll link to it in the episode notes, but encourage people to go and read your your article uh, at FarmDoc Daily for for a little bit of more, more context and some great data visualization as well. But Dr. Ellison, appreciate you joining us on the Feedstuffs in Focus podcast. This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus is sponsored by Arm & Hammer Animal and Food Production and their science-hearted podcast, Food Chain Chats. Each episode is a science-hearted discussion about the topics that matter most in the world of animal and food production and food safety. Subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts. My thanks to Dr. Brenna Ellison of the University of Illinois for her insights into the latest consumer food values data. We'll touch base again with Dr. Ellison in April when she publishes the results of the March Food Values Survey. For the latest reporting on trends and issues in food marketing and how it affects your business, visit our website, feedstuffs.com, and won't you join us in our new virtual community and events platform, Feedstuffs 365? This week featured discussions on the latest policy developments in Washington, what's happening in the feed ingredient markets, and an update on swine disease issues facing U.S. producers. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, or you can always visit the website feedstuffs.com for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.